lives and our conversations are holy, our meditations are holy. Standing among the creation and reveling in your handiwork is a holy moment. We're putting our hands to the earth or in service to one another. These moments are holy and can be if we sow the intention that they can be worship to you, our breath praise to you. For it in honor of all that you've given and done for us. Amen. 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 Alright, we're going to continue in Galatians today. It's so great to see you guys here this morning and see some of you that haven't been able to get with us for a while. Awesome to see your faces. I love you so much. And uh, I know everybody is managing uh, their schedules and their time. And I uh, appreciate when you are able to be here and be with us. It's a blessing to us. It's a blessing to you. It's not just like valuable and profitable to you. So, uh, we're skipping ahead a little bit. Uh, it wasn't really on purpose. I just looked at the calendar wrong. Jason and I have a planning calendar. And I looked at the calendar wrong and I jumped in the text that we're doing today. By the time I realized it, I was like, oh, I'm not going backwards. Um, and it's also kind of like his next passage that I stole, so he's going to have to now start working. So it's going to be Can I just say it's not the first time it's happened? Jason, do you remember that study where I thought you were teaching and I was actually supposed to be teaching and neither one of you showed up to take the video? No, I don't remember. You don't remember that? <laughs> I remember the look of panic on your face. And you're like, it was supposed to be me? And then I was looking at the table and I'm like, no, it's supposed to be me. That's going to be ready in season or out of season. But uh, some of the stuff that we skipped, so we're going to be in chapter 2 of Galatians. We're continuing in Galatians, and this is, I hope, been very. Uh, illuminating to you about the life of, of freedom that Christ has called us to. Um, I do want to put a little caveat in there because I was reading a thread of some things online this past week that approach the same topic. Our freedom in Christ, which we said about this morning, I am set free, is not freedom to do anything. I mean, we can. In fact, Paul said that. He said, it's permissible for me to do anything, but there are some things that are not going to be very profitable for me. So, probably best if I don't choose those kinds of things to do. Because they will harm me or hurt me or harm someone else or hurt someone else. So, our freedom in Christ is not the freedom that encourages us to do anything. What it is, is it's the freedom that has set us free from a slavery to choosing that which is sinful, that which is disobedient to God, to a freedom because we are no longer slaves to sin, we are bond servants. Of the Lord Jesus Christ who calls us to holiness and to righteousness and to goodness. And we no longer have to be slaves to the choice of sin, but we can instead be, if you will, a slave to the choices of righteousness. That we are bound to that as bond servants of Christ. And so the context of Galatians, I remember, I think Jason had the phrase that is resonating with some people. It's the idea that we still face sometimes in religious life today. It's the gospel and it's the good news of Jesus Christ, His work, His finished, completed work for us on the cross through His resurrection. Plus, these other things is what gains you favor for salvation with God. And, that's, and of course, that's not the gospel. Paul, right at the outset of this, says, I'm disappointed that you so easily have embraced the gospel that's actually different from the one that I gave to you. Which he then goes on last week, we talked about how 
he lays out his bona fides, his, uh, you know, his resume of how the gospel was given to him. He says, it wasn't given to me by any man. It wasn't given to me through study, but it was by direct intervention and revelation from the voice of Christ himself, the gospel that I gave to you. And I'm calling you now to remain faithful to that. And so he goes through, in between where I was last week and where we are today, he goes through some other conversation about what he did for a time period and who he hung out with and the places that he was teaching. And then he ends up back in uh, uh, Jerusalem. I want to find this one passage. Uh, uh, when he went to Antioch, and Peter was there. We know Peter, of course. Kind of hero of the faith who also had some, some major flaws as the heroes of the faith tend to have. Remember, he denied Christ as Christ told him that he would, and yet he was also the one who stepped up and walked on the water. Uh, he leaped to his feet in the garden and sliced off a guy's ear in anger, and God, Jesus rebuked him, healed the man, and yet later Jesus says to this same guy in the church, Christ is going to be built on faith just like yours, and in fact, on you, Peter, is going to build this church on your faith. And so we find him back in Antioch, and I just thought this was a great passage um, that, uh, remember that the whole conversation here that starts in Galatians is that there are some that were called by Peter, called the Judaizers, and were Jews who had come to Christ. But they were now telling everyone else who wanted to come to Christ, all of the Gentiles, non-Jews, that if they wanted to be part of the Christian church, whatever age they were, they had to be circumcised. And we've avoided this conversation up until now, and so put this out for you, so hopefully kids talk to your parents later if you need to. But here's what circumcision is. It's something that God ordained to set aside with the Jews back in the very beginning when he said, You will be my people. It's something very specific that he called them to do, among a lot of other things, but this one was sort of over the top. And it said, Every male child, on the eighth day after they were born, the skin around the tip of their penis would be removed surgically. And it's called circumcision. It means to go around and excise the off. Because no one else on the whole face of the planet did this as a practice, it would set them apart. They would be different. So now we have in Galatians, we have the Jews who have practiced now this tradition all along to be identified as set apart. They now are telling all of these other people who come from all of these other religious traditions, worship other gods who never found Christ, that if they want to be part of of the Christian church, they must also be circumcised. And this is where the problem arises for Paul. He says, this is gospel and that is not the gospel that was given. And Paul speaks to this uh, with authority because God has given him specifically the ministry to take the gospel to the Gentiles, everyone who is not a Jew. And so he understands fully the gospel that God has given him to carry. So this is not part of it, but I love this passage here. Um, it says, uh, and we don't have this back there on the street for his chapter, uh, 2 verse 11, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. 
but he took them down. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. He was hanging out with the ones that were considered unclean. But when they, when they came, when James and some of the Jews came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing critically along with, but fearing, what about that situation? Fearing the circumcision party. And I'm just going to say that's a party nobody wants to be invited to. So this this conflict just continues to stew and to brew, and Paul has gotten so upset about this idea of gospel and adding things to the gospel that we have to be performative about in order to be accepted by God. And he's now made it the point that he's, he's personally confronting those who add anything to. What he said was the gospel at the beginning of this book, of this letter, which was to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and that he was raised from the dead and you will be saved. When we say believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we mean to look at what Jesus did, what Jesus said, and believe that everything that he said and everything that he did as an example, everything that he told us to do, that all of those things are true. And we will follow him. And that he is the ultimate authority over life and death because of his grace from the dead. Believe those things, and you will be saved. That's the gospel. And so then we pick it up here in chapter 2, verse 15. God. And no matter how much we work, 
instead of you trying to do in that document, you could go in and use your space bar and the delete key and try to shuffle things around at the end of each line, and it's going to continue to drop down in weird ways. It's going to cut words in half, and it's still going to look terrible. You can't make it work that way. That's like trying to do works to be justified before God. When really what needs to happen is you have to mark that text and abuse tools specifically designed to do what you want it to do, to make those margins straight down both sides of that page. You're trying to shuffle those words around with the delete key and the space bar and enter and move them around on the page manually. It's just like here. He's talking about trying to do works in order to, to reconcile or justify our account with God. We can move things around all we want to. It still doesn't justify all that we have. Only a tool designed to do that, which is the work of Jesus Christ Himself, can justify each of us before God. Then he says in verse 17, But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. Through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. That seems a little bit confusing. But let me, let me help illuminate that for you. What we learn here look at some other passages that speak about the law, especially like in the book of Hebrews, we learn that the function of the law, which we're talking about this, right? At its basic, most basic level, love God with everything you have and love your, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the basis of the law. We can stand on that with the Ten Commandments, and then we can read the scriptures and learn how God wants us to interact with him and with one another. And by doing those things, we are working with the law. But one thing that we learn as we get older is that no one can perfectly keep the law. No one gets it right all the time. And so ultimately, the function of the law is not to tell us how to behave, it's to reveal to us that we are broken and in need of something else, and the law won't fix us. Obeying the law won't fix us because we will make mistakes. We will still break the law. Might be in small ways, might be in big ways, but it doesn't really matter. If you break it, it's broken, and you are unjustified and need to be brought back into justification. And so that's what he's saying here. Through the law, I died to the law, meaning it was it showed me that I can't do this. And Paul was generally, I mean, he knew how to follow the law. Very educated, very religious. Uh, he told us earlier in this letter that he was advancing in the religious structure faster than people his own age. He was like a superstar. He knew how to keep the law. And yet he realizes that by trying to keep the law, what revealed to him is that he was unable to be perfect in keeping the law. And then he realized that he might find life in God. And so he said that, so that I might live to God. 
So I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. Paul is giving us that picture that for each of us who will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and that He was raised from the dead, in order to be saved, He's showing us here that what the function of that is is that Christ's sacrifice on the cross was as if each one of us was crucified with Him for the payment for our sins. To be justified before God. He did that for us on our behalf, but it's like we were crucified with Him. It's as if we were crucified instead because that would be a punishment we deserve for our sin, right? Maybe not crucifixion, it could be whatever age we live in. I remember Max and Taylor wrote a line in one of his books one time and said, uh, you know, it could have come when crosses were out of style, when execution was not a simpler affair. Much less horrific in human suffering terms. But he came at that time. At the right time, Christ died for us, the scriptures say. And so you and I, should have been crucified. Instead, are crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who lives for myself, but Christ who lives in me. This is what we're talking about when we say, uh, instead of what would Jesus do, what would Jesus do if he were me living in my life right now? See, we're not all called to go and, and live exactly the footsteps of Jesus' life. If we were, we would all be over in the Middle East, walking the streets of Jerusalem and saying all the exact same things that he did. But he gave us a life to live. And he calls us to this salvation. He calls us to this crucifixion of ourselves so that we live life in God. And then our goal is to live our lives in our circumstances, as Jesus would if he were living our lives. Because it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself for I do not nullify the grace of God. What nullify means is to, to make unimportant, cross off, uh, null, and ULL means zero. It says, I do not diminish or devalue the grace of Christ. What he's saying here is it is of the utmost importance. The grace of God is it's the pinnacle. It's the most important thing in this conversation because grace is the antithesis to the law. It's the opposite end of the spectrum. The law is something that we can 
attempts to achieve, but by its very nature, what it will prove is that we are unworthy. Grace is that thing which we cannot achieve, but by its very nature tells us that we can become worthy. And so he said, I don't want to diminish the grace of God at all, for if righteousness were through the law, if it were possible to be good enough, to act good enough, to check in our boxes, to fulfill the needs for righteousness, then he says, Christ died for no purpose. Anyone's able to work their way into favor with God, there was no need for Christ to die. His death would be in vain. It would simply be a poignant story, but without meaning. And so the call to us as Christians, those who Follow after Christ as we try to, to make our way through the life that He's given to us here on this earth. When we come to this knowledge, we come to this realization that, that we aren't good enough, we can't be good enough, and so we receive God's grace that the law, which, which tells us by its very nature that we will never be worthy enough. We move to the place of grace, the grace which tells us that it doesn't matter how much we work or don't work or how much we fail, God's grace is enough to make us worthy in His eyes. That we then are challenged to live our lives every day, every moment, every breath with that grace influencing our speech, our handiwork among our neighbors, our work, our overseeing of those who work for us, our care for those who work beside us, those that we teach, those that we help, those that we assist, that we remember the grace with which we have been clothed, which we could not earn. And we do everything we can to demonstrate that grace to those in doing so, we may reveal the truth of the gospel to someone else. And if we're doing that, if we're living from that place of grace, we will never have to worry that we are giving someone the gospel and we'll never have to worry that we're giving someone the gospel other than the gospel that Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and He's been raised from the dead and you can be saved. And it is the beautiful, graceful gift of God that He extends to you. And so, this out with song this morning, and then I wish you to come back and join me. So, it's not a song together, and uh, if you'd like to talk more about that, let me know.